It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello and welcome to Life Happens Radio with hosts from Pierre O'Connor and Strauss and Advisors Insurance Brokers on News Radio 810 and 1031 WGY. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Life Happens Radio, your weekly radio program that brings you information and ideas for successful aging, and that's aging at all ages. So we talk about baby boomers and the boomer generation. Their children and the educational issues that they face, their parents and the long-term care issues that they face, planning for retirement, planning for successful uh, life after the work life, and making sure that the risks that we all face are appropriately addressed in the planning phase so that you don't get caught in a crisis. We never want to have our clients go through crisis, although it seems like every day the phone rings and somebody has hit that wall and all of a sudden, life has changed. Life happens. And so our show today is going to be focusing on planning for intra-family issues. How do you set yourself up so that you have the right decision makers in place, so that you can avoid family conflicts, that your children, when they inherit, can inherit properly and the assets that you leave them can be secured, that you don't risk your family's wealth if a divorce should happen, and that when succession happens, and this is a business or simply the personal wealth, the home that you've you've built and paid the mortgage off on, the succession of wealth from one generation to the next, how do you navigate that? How can it be done successfully so that you are protected and, and your assets are protected for your lifetime, your income is secure for your retirement, and you can have next generations who are going to benefit from the work that you've done and be able to leave their children a little bit better off. And after all, that really is the heart of the American dream, to come to America, to be in America, to work hard, to have some success in your life, and to leave the next generation just a little bit better off and let them have a little advantage to get them started in their lives. So today we're going to talk about all of that and a little bit more. And it is a call-in show. I'm going to give you the number very early and I'll give it to you a few times throughout the show, but write it down if you're listening, 800-825-5949. That's 800-825-5949. We're live here in the WGY studios, and I am here with my associate, Rebecca Cerny. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning. And Rebecca works with us in Pierre O'Connor and Strauss, working with clients in their estate plans. She works with high net worth, middle class clients, um, a whole variety of different types of asset bases that we deal with and family situations that we deal with. So today we're going to break down for you some of the issues that we have seen, some of the experiences that we've counseled clients through, and get you prepared so that you're thinking in your estate plan along the right lines. Uh, we also have a couple of workshops. I might give you a little heads up on those. So one of our favorite ones, one that we do every quarter for our clients and for others who have trusts or are interested in trust. We call it our trust administration workshop. And we've been doing these now for a few years and, and we get a good crowd, good audience. 
and we go through how to administer a trust. So what is a trust? How does it work? How do you fund it? What assets go in? What assets don't go in? What tax issues arise when you have a trust? What types of administrative issues, accounting issues arise? So it is a a very intense two-hour workshop, and it is going to be December 4th, Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. at Skylar Meadows Country Club. Beautiful setting. Hope you can join us on the 4th of December. That's a Wednesday, 5.30 p.m. We will be serving refreshments. And Dave Wojcicki, CPA, will be joining Aaron Connor and myself. And so we have it, the tax issues, the accounting issues, all of the inner workings of a trust. And as I like to say, it's like lifting up the hood and getting into the engine and seeing how that trust actually works. So if you have one and you have questions about a trust or if you are interested in trusts, join us and you can sign up for the December 4th, 5.30 p.m. Trust Administration Workshop on our website. That's purolaw.com. Go to the Events tab and you can sign up or you can dial 608-6998. That's area code 518-608-6998, our seminar hotline, and you can sign up by phone. Either way is great, but we'd love to have you join us on December 4th at 530. Have a light snack and have a great education about trust administration and how trusts work. The other workshop I want to tell you about is a webinar. We do Medicaid Mondays and we do them on the second Monday of each month. This month, it's December 9th and it's at noon, 12 to 12.30. And we do a webinar on Medicaid issues. We've been piling up our library with webinars so you can find all of our past webinars on our website at pirolaw.com. Dot com. That's P-I-E-R-R-O-L-A-W dot com. And we've done them on Medicaid, home care, nursing home care, trusts, transfers of assets, um, hospital discharge planning, Medicare, Medicaid appeals. And this uh, December 9th, Monday at noon, we'll be talking about assisted living. New York has a Medicaid assisted living program. It's little known. There are, there are great benefits under it, but it's very hard to find. There are limited numbers of beds. So we're going to talk all about that, what facilities locally accept Medicaid for assisted living and how that works. And you can join us again at noon on December 9th, signing up right on our website, pierolaw.com. Go to Medicaid Monday and sign up there or call our hotline. Again, you can sign up on the hotline at 518-608-6998. So, Rebecca, I want to kick this off with the big D word. And that is divorce. And we don't, we're not a matrimonial firm. We don't handle divorces. So don't call for that. We're happy to refer you to some qualified matrimonial attorneys. But we do a lot of work dealing with asset protection in anticipation of divorce. And I know we've worked together on a number of cases uh, with very complicated prenuptial agreements. Yes. Very in-depth prenups, 50-page mm-hmm. prenups with <laughs> yep. high net worth families. They don't have to be that complicated. But in your experience, how easy is it for a couple to get a prenup done prior to marriage? Um, it, it can be pretty easy, but there can also be a lot of roadblocks and, and issues that need to be discussed and issues that probably have never been discussed before mm-hmm. before working on this document. So, And, and you're young and single, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm older and married, so prenup isn't a, an issue for me. But how would you approach it if if you were going to get married? And how would you feel if your husband to be came to you like the week before the wedding and said, "Oh, by the way, 
I want you to sign this prenuptial agreement giving up any rights to my assets. Yeah. A week before, my, there might be an issue. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's happened. We've seen it happen. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, it's definitely something you want to think about with plenty of time. Um, because especially if there are those issues, you need the time to properly work them out, not only among yourselves, but with the attorneys, and make sure that you have a properly drafted document. Yeah. It isn't the most romantic thing in <laughs> no, the world. definitely not. To, to bring up that prenup issue. Uh, mm-hmm. At the at the time you're talking about romance and buying the ring and mm-hmm. oh well, let's get married gonna love you for the rest of my life yep <laughs> but if I don't <laughs> but just in case <laughs> but if I don't you're giving up the rights to all my assets okay so we do prenuptial agreements we've done a number of them they have to be thought out and one thing that you really need to know and this is why it's not easy is that in order for that prenup to stick it has to be negotiated. Mm-hmm. It has to be done with full disclosure. Yep. So you do full financial disclosure as part of the prenup mm-hmm. and you attach lists of assets. So all the assets go into the prenup so that each spouse is fully aware mm-hmm. of what they're giving up and what rights they have and what the other side has. And it also needs representation on both sides mm-hmm. in order for it to really be fully enforceable. So if you have typically one moneyed spouse to be, Mm -hmm. one family with wealth that really doesn't want their child to get married and see the family wealth go into a divorce proceeding. And they will hire an attorney and they'll draft a prenuptial agreement and present it to the other spouse. In most cases, that's how we see it happen. And then it's up to the other spouse to review it. But if they review it without their own independent attorney, they're at a tremendous disadvantage, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, especially if it's a longer document, there are probably a lot of provisions and there's a lot of legal jargon in these documents that, you know, a typical layperson may not understand or even consider the consequences of those provisions. Mm. So, you know, now you've got two, you're paying two lawyers mm-hmm. preparing a complex document. You're going through all of the provisions and, and we've seen them hotly negotiated where, yes. where terms Absolutely. of the prenups and what support one spouse would be entitled to if there was a divorce and how long that marriage goes. If you're married for a year, then you're not entitled to a lot anyway. But mm-hmm. if you're married for 10 or 15 or 20 years, then then you have rights. Right. Um, so negotiating that prenup is not an easy thing. It's not inexpensive. And we find that some people are able to do it. Um, I see it easier for second marriages. Once right. someone has been burned once, mm-hmm. they, yeah. they don't want to go down that path without a prenup. Mm-hmm. But there's an alternative now that has been kind of espoused at the Heckerling Institute. There were lectures on it. Heckerling is the largest estate planning conference in the country. So we attend that on a regular basis. That's down in Florida. And it's once a year in January. And at Heckerling a few years ago, I heard a guy named Dan Rubin, who's an attorney friend of mine in New York, lecture on using a trust as a prenuptial alternative. Mm -hmm. And so that has become as common in our office as a prenup, as a true prenup. Yeah. So how does that work? How, how can you use a trust as a prenuptial alternative? You would create a trust typically prior to the marriage and put your assets into it. Um, so within that trust document, you designate trustees and advisors and people who are in control of the assets and can distribute assets from the trust. And then you also designate beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. So you would not include the future spouse or not include them immediately as a beneficiary in that trust. And New York law isn't terribly favorable for that. It is not, no. Uh, We're we're expecting a new trust code in New York. In case you're wondering out there, (laughs) um, Professor Ira Bloom right here at Albany Law School has Mm -hmm. drafted 
a new New York State trust code. And it's been vetted. It's now in the legislature, and we hope it's going to get passed next year. So we're hoping that New York law will be liberalized Mm -hmm. through this new trust code. But until then, and even after that, asset protection planning, what we call a true asset protection trust, Mm -hmm. isn't possible in New York. You cannot create a trust for yourself and exempt it from your general creditors. Right. We do Medicaid asset protection, but that's a very specialized type of trust, and it only gets you... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Medicaid. Right. Doesn't protect from other creditors. Yep. And so when we do trusts for the purpose of prenuptial planning, we go to other states. Yep. So what states have you used? We've used Nevada, Delaware. I know uh, South Carolina is another asset protection state. Alaska mm-hmm. has good ones. Yeah. We, we use, for this purpose, we've used mostly Nevada. Yeah. And there's a trust company there, Premier Trust, that is very economical, let's say. Yeah. They, they don't charge a hefty administrative fee. Right. But they, they will administer these trusts. And Nevada law is extremely favorable from a creditor perspective. So Absolutely. you call them domestic asset protection trusts or DAPTs. And the domestic trust in Nevada has a lot of teeth in the law to prevent creditors from reaching it, including divorcing spouses. Right. So if you if you are if you have the gumption to approach your spouse to be and say, listen, we just need to get this prenuptial done and you need a lawyer, I need a lawyer, we're gonna negotiate a document and we're gonna sign it before we get married, mm-hmm. that's probably still the most common and safest way to do it. Right. But more and more people don't want to face that. Right. So they're doing these trusts and putting their assets into trust prior to marriage. Mm-hmm. And as long as you do it pre marriage, not post. Yep. That trust is not a marital asset, right? and as long as it's administered and managed properly, it can retain that asset protection. Yeah, and there can be a number of reasons why you wouldn't want to bring up a prenup. Either you don't want to have the conversation, you don't want to disclose your assets mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Lots so of reasons. There can be a number of reasons why you kill, wouldn't want to. Kill that romance. You don't <laughs> yeah. want to kill the romance. Mm-hmm. But a trust can do similar things, protect assets in, in anticipation of divorce. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, because a lot of times we're dealing with parents planning for children, and we're going to talk about how you can set inheritances up so that they're protected Mm -hmm. for your children. So instead of just leaving it to the kids outright, we can show you how to create trusts for them that will protect it for them from divorcing spouses, from general creditors, lawsuits, they get in an accident get sued. Those assets are fully protected. They're exempt in bankruptcy. And they would still also be Medicaid asset protected. So you can do things for others that you can't do for yourself under New York law. And we're going to be back after a short break to tell you how all of that works. Asset protection, family asset protection. Don't fall prey to that divorce and to those in-laws. We'll be right back. You're listening to Life Happens Radio on Talk Radio WGY, 810 AM, 103.1 FM, right back after this break. 
Welcome back to Life Happens. Are you prepared? Hopefully you will be if you listen to this show on a weekly basis. We're on every Saturday at 11 o'clock. I'm Lou Piero of Piero, Connor & Strauss, your host for this morning. Live in studio with attorney Rebecca Cerny, who you just heard on the ad. And Rebecca and I are talking about some planning that we do for clients who are concerned about asset protection. And asset protection happens from a variety of threats and potential creditors and predators. So we look at setting up our estate plans for our clients in ways that those assets are shielded. And we were just talking at the break about Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. the holiday time. Yep. A lot of families, this is a great holiday for me. It's probably my favorite holiday mm -hmm. because it's low stress. Christmas yeah. time is just just too Hectic. frenetic, yeah. too much going on. But Thanksgiving, you get a couple of days, you kick back and you get to talk and relax and watch some football, eat some turkey and, and have some, some family time. And this is a good time to talk about planning, actually. Mm -hmm. It's a good holiday to get everybody together and sit around the table. And I'm actually going to do some of that with my family. Mm -hmm. I've been planning a discussion with Ooh. my children yeah. um, about you know state planning and what now that they're in their 20s, what roles I see them playing as part of the estate plan and communicating those roles to them. Mm -hmm. They don't know that yet, but it's coming. <laughs> Maybe they listen. <laughs> and we'll see <laughs> how how much they listen. But when we talk about planning, and, and this is part of the plan for my kids and, and many of our clients, as soon as we mention the word, okay, so your children, they're not married yet or they are married yet, and how do you like the in-laws? Mm -hmm. How do you like the daughter-in-law, the son-in-law? And a lot of times there are concerns. Yeah, um, They may have a solid, rock-solid marriage today, but what happens if that changes? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they don't have a rock-solid marriage today, <laughs> and, and there is risk there. So, Rebecca, one of the primary concerns that our clients express mm -hmm. is if I leave this wealth and I've worked my fingers to the bone, I'm doing 16 hour days. I've worked two jobs. I didn't take vacations. I've mm -hmm. built equity in my home. I have a retirement account. I have an IRA. I have some life insurance. I have some stocks and bonds. Yep. I've built my estate and now I leave it to my kids. How do I make sure that what I've built doesn't get squandered? Mm -hmm. And one of the big risks is I leave it to my children they commingle it with their assets, they're married, they're divorced, and now my assets, my wealth that I've built up over my lifetime is at risk. Right. So what's a way that parents can create an inheritance for their children and keep it protected without really cutting off the child's access to it? Uh, one way is through a trust. So instead of leaving that inheritance outright to the child, you would leave it in trust. And that trust would offer those protections and protect it from not only divorcing spouses, but other creditors as well. And so how does that trust work? I mean, if I if I weren't going to do this, I would want my kids to have the money and manage it for themselves. So mm -hmm. I, I don't, in my case, and, and for my three kids, I think that all of them, will have at some point the ability to manage their own finances, manage their the wealth that I'm going to leave them, whatever's left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to be like our clients and say, oh, I'm going to spend it all before I die. I hope I don't. But yeah. a, lot, a lot of our clients say that. Mm -hmm. But whatever I leave to my children, I want to be protected for them. Absolutely. And a great way, a great uh, reason to use a trust is you can structure it in a number of different ways, but you can actually name your children as the person who can manage those assets so they can have the assets in trust, they can use it for their benefit, and they can actually be the person managing and in charge of it. 
Uh, so they still have complete access to those assets, even though they're protected. Mm. A lot of people hear of trust. Oh, it's scary. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to give up control to a trust company or, yep. or some other trustee, or I don't have enough money to justify a trust. And mm-hmm. Well, if you're leaving your child $100,000 and you can put it in a safe place mm-hmm. where they won't lose it unless they lose it on their own. But no one can reach it. Creditors can't reach it. Spouses can't reach it. And it's $100,000 that they can have for their lifetime, invest it, save it. Is that possible through this trust? Yes, absolutely. And so how does it work? Who's the trustee and and how do they manage the assets? Well, you appoint the trustee. So it could either be your child. It could be someone else. You can put provisions in there where your child would step in at a certain age or after a certain point of time. Mm-hmm. So you kind of control that. You 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 make those decisions in the documents. You decide who's going to be in charge. So I have children 25, 24, and 21. Mm-hmm. Um, 25 and 24, I think, probably could handle their own trusteeship right now. My youngest is in college, and it would be a lot yeah. for him to manage on his own. And you know, he may go, might go to graduate school. We're not quite sure yet. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted to leave my daughter at 25 the right to control her trust, she can be the sole trustee? Yep. Absolutely. And, and what restrictions are on her in terms of how she manages the assets, what she invests in? Um, you could put restrictions, but you could also not have any restrictions, and you would kind of give her the flexibility to be able to manage those assets accordingly. Okay. So your child can actually have sole control. Yes. Of that trust. And yet it's still protected from their creditors. Absolutely. Okay. What about access? Because, you know, I want them to use it, but I want them to use it for the right things. I don't want them to squander it, gamble it away or Mm -hmm. anything else. But what types of standards can you put in to direct the children in terms of how they manage their own trust? Sure. So a a typical provision we put in is called the HEM standard. So that's Mm -hmm. for health, education, maintenance, and support, which is pretty broad. And so they can still use the assets for pretty much anything. But it kind of gives them a little bit of instruction that, you know, they shouldn't just go out and blow it. Um, You could also limit that even more if you you have any concerns or if you want to kind of direct them in a certain way. Wow. So I know that we have clients and we're going to talk a little bit in the second half about clients who have different needs that other needs, other other abled children who have special needs and maybe children who have gambling or drug or other problems that need more management on the trust. Mm Mm-hmm. But for kids that you just would otherwise leave it outright to them, you can leave it in, what do you call this trust? A beneficiary controlled trust. A beneficiary controlled trust, and you can put it in. And we'll talk about how to create that trust and what the other variations are on how to keep the wealth in the family over the generations, because it is so important. We want to keep those advantages for our kids. And we're going to take a short break for the news. Remember, you can call us here live on the radio, 800-825-5949. That's 800-TALK-WGY. And we're going to be back. I'm Lou Piero here with Rebecca Cerny from Piero Connor and Strauss. Take a short break for the news. You're listening to Life Happens Radio every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. right here on Talk Radio WGY. Shake it up. We don't want to shake it up. We want it smooth. (laughs) So we're planning, and we're talking about estate planning today and planning for asset protection. And we started out talking about prenuptial agreements and trusts that are prenuptial agreement substitutes. If you're doing the planning for yourself and you're doing self-settled asset protection, that's one thing. 
Then we shifted to how do you protect assets for the next generation? And you can protect assets for your kids. You can also protect assets for your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are supporting your parents, you may want to include your, your mother and your father in your estate plan, in your documents. Uh, I know that when my mom was alive, she's passed since, um, I have a trust that said if she survives me, that my life insurance policy would carve out a little piece of that for a trust for her because I was providing support to her, and she at the time had Alzheimer's. So you can create those asset protection trusts for your parents. You can create them for your children, brothers, sisters, whoever you want. But it's so important to think about how you're going to leave assets to those beneficiaries. And we talked about the beneficiary-controlled trust Mm -hmm. as being one way to do that. And that's a trust that you can create for your children or for any beneficiary that allows them to serve as their own trustee manage the assets for themselves, have the ability to access it, use it for themselves and their families, but have it be protected if they do end up in a divorce or get sued or go bankrupt or need Medicaid at some point. Mm -hmm. And so that's the beneficiary control trust. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Rebecca, where would I create that? Do I need to set up separate trusts for all of my kids and have them done now? Or can I do it as part of my other estate planning? Nope. You would do it as part of your other estate planning. So those BCTs, the, the trust for the kids, wouldn't be created until upon your passing. But you can do it in either a will or you can do it in actually your own trust right now. Okay. So... We talked about trusts earlier, and I just Mm -hmm. want to give another plug, since we're talking about it, to our Mm -hmm. trust administration workshop. So you can learn how all of these trusts operate and how they work from a tax and administrative perspective. Join us on December 4th at 5.30 p.m. at Schuyler Meadows Country Club, and you can sign up for that on our website, pierrolaw.com, or call 608-6998. It's our seminar hotline, again, 608-6998, to talk and leave your message and sign up for our Trusted Men Workshop on December 4th. So there are different types of trusts, and, and we hear a lot about them. I can create these beneficiary control trusts inside of a will, mm-hmm. but what are the downsides of a will? Well, a will has to go through probate, so you're you're stuck in court when you pass and you want to get all your assets to the next generation. You, you would have to go through the court system, and you don't – you have to go through the court system now to get the assets to the next generation. But if you were to create a trust under your will – it is subject to court supervision for the entire length of the trust. So yeah. you, you're not just in court once. You're kind of in court indefinitely. Um, and and being in court is not a horrible thing, but we try to keep our clients out of court. Right. It's unnecessary cost and expense, and mm-hmm. it's easy to avoid it. And so a will, every will, and a lot of our clients come in and say, oh, I have a will. I avoid probate. No. Mm-hmm. Your will, by definition, mm-hmm. goes through probate. That is the definition, the proving of the will. That yep. is probate. So you have to file a petition, you have to file a court fee, affidavits of witnesses, and serve citation or get waivers from all the beneficiaries. Yep. So it is a time-consuming process. Most estate administrations, probate administrations, take at least a year. Some take two, some take ten, mm-hmm. depending if they're contested or not. Yep. But in looking at doing it cleanly, one of the reasons we use living trusts 
is to avoid that whole process. Right. So what are the two main types of trusts that you use? Uh, one would be a revocable living trust. And revocable. The, uh, yes, revocable. And mm-hmm. the other is irrevocable. Okay. So tell me about the revocable trust and how do we get our beneficiary control trusts in there? Sure. So a revocable trust is kind of like a holding pot or your alter ego. So it's completely revocable. You are typically the trustee. Mm-hmm. So you are in complete control of any assets that you put in the trust. Um, it's just kind of a way to manage them. So you'd create this revocable trust. You'd put all your assets in there. And within that trust document, we carve out these trusts for the children. So we include those provisions right in this trust document. So when you do pass away, it's clear as to how the assets are going to be held for your kids. Hmm. So in a revocable trust, who's initially in control? You are. So I can create my own revocable trust. Yep. And how do I avoid probate? I mean, I have bank accounts and stocks and bonds and things and a house. Mm-hmm. How do I how do I avoid probate if all those things are still in my name? Well, we would take them out of your name and put them into this trust. So we would change title to those assets. So you, you actually put the assets in now? Yes. As opposed to waiting and doing it through the court, through the judge? Correct. Okay. So now I have a revocable trust. I'm in charge. Upon my death, what happens? On your death, you would appoint someone, a successor trustee, who would step in. They would mm-hmm. collect all of your assets and then distribute it pursuant to your wishes. Okay. Could that be my kids? Absolutely. Could I have all of them do it? Because I, I want them to all kind of get along. You know, we want harmony mm-hmm. in the family. Right. You can you can certainly appoint more than one trustee. Okay. So I could have my my children. Not and I'm I'm assuming that my wife is not there. So this is on mm-hmm. both of the second of our deaths. Right. So that, that this is going to happen because mm-hmm. everything's going to stay in trust for my wife during her lifetime and then on to the kids. Right. So when I have it go to my kids, they can then be trustees. And then how does it get into their individual beneficiary, the trust you told me about, that they can have for themselves? Yep. So the trust would be created at that point in time. And then the trustee would distribute the assets to each of the trust. So we would change title from the revocable trust to the individual trust to the kids. Okay. So each of the kids then has their own trust. Yep. And they're the trustee. Yep. And they can manage it. Mm -hmm. And their spouses can't reach it. Yes. In a divorce. And their creditors can't reach it. Yep. And it's exempt in bankruptcy. Yes. And what if they need Medicaid? It's exempted from that as well. Okay. So what if my children weren't all so spectacular and bright? And what if they... One of them had special needs because that's very common. Yes. There are a lot of people mm-hmm. living with disabilities today and they need special protection because they get special benefits, Medicaid, SSI. And is there a special type of trust that we can create for them that someone else would manage? Absolutely. Um, you can create a supplemental needs trust, mm. which is a special kind of trust that holds assets. It has special provisions in there that would allow the beneficiary to benefit from those assets, but it protects it and doesn't allow it to affect any benefits that they're receiving from the government. So you can really structure these trusts in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. And you can have numerous trusts for different types of children and different types of beneficiaries, depending on their needs. So what is one type of trust that, or or one asset that doesn't go in? Um, The one that we typically talk about is a retirement account, right? an Mm -hmm. IRA. Yep. Because if you transfer the IRA during lifetime, you're going to have some tax consequences. It's going to be a liquidation of the IRA. Mm -hmm. So we're creating all of these wonderful trusts and we're funding them. We're transferring assets in, but you don't transfer the IRA in, do you? You don't, no. So how do we tie the retirement accounts? Because a lot of our clients now, their 401k, IRA, 403b, those are their major assets. Yeah. 
How do we tie those together with the trust they're creating for their kids? So the distribution of your retirement accounts is done through the designation of a beneficiary. So we would update the beneficiary designations of those accounts to coordinate with your trust plan. Okay. So I, mean, I know this is a bit tricky. Yes. And there are books written on it. Yeah. There are a lot of books written Volumes on Volumes of, of mm-hmm. treatises that talk about how to bring retirement accounts into the estate plan. Yes. Which is especially crucial if you have a special needs job. Yes. Because you want the income from that IRA to be protected as well. Right. But you really want it protected for all of your kids. And there was a court case that came down about 10 years ago, Clark versus Ramaker. Mm-hmm. And it's the United States Supreme Court. And we used to operate on the assumption that IRAs, which are asset protected during your lifetime as mm-hmm. the participant, continue to be asset protected for the kids. And so in terms of that, how do you keep asset protection for the IRA and have it so that they still have access? You would put it into these trusts that we're creating. So whether it's a beneficiary controlled trust or a supplemental needs trust, we would have the beneficiary designations name those individual trusts. Mm -hmm. And by having the asset pour into those trusts, it offers that protection from creditors and spouses. And how many times have you met with clients and you ask them, who are the beneficiaries of your IRAs? And they they say, I have no clue. (laughs) More often than not. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. true, right? Yes. And so you have to really track that down. Mm -hmm. And- it's a good exercise. We have a questionnaire that we use for this purpose to gather up all the information that as estate planners, we need to get from you in order to give you good recommendations. And you can actually download that off of our website mm-hmm. uh, on, in a resource page. It's an estate planning guide. People call it the worst homework they've had since college. <laughs> uh, it's, it's an exercise, but it's yeah. a worthwhile exercise. And what Absolutely. a great thing to sit around after dinner on Thursday <laughs> And uh, after your Talk turkey and, and, and go through the questionnaire and start yeah. putting your estate plan together. Mm-hmm. We have a caller. We have Mark in Chatham. Good morning, Mark. How can we help you today on Life Happens? Ah, good morning, and uh, thank you for taking my call. Our pleasure. I, um, I just have a, a question for you. Um, what are the tax implications of inheriting a revocable um, trust that's uh, in a uh, retirement um account okay so you said i know that there's certain yeah there's certain uh exclusions i think the first million or something you don't have to pay any taxes on but how is your cost basis determined and and do you inherit the the stocks and bonds at the at the current value of the death or or is it their original purchase price or or just curious Mm -hmm. i'm gonna uh, you're, you're talking about a lot of different disparate results depending on the type of asset. So I'm going to try to unpack all of that for you. But I'm also going to say Mm -hmm. that we talk about this in great detail, actually, at our trust administration workshop that's coming up on December 4th at 5.30 p.m. So you can sign up for that on our website at purolaw.com. But let's say that you have uh, stocks, as you said, stocks and bonds and a house in a trust, and it's a revocable trust during lifetime, and then Upon the death of the original grantor of the trust, the the beneficiaries Mm -hmm. inherit. A revocable trust will go through the estate for tax purposes, and it is fully includable in the estate for estate tax purposes. And and that used to be a bad thing Mm -hmm. because we had very low estate tax exemptions, and the estate tax rate was pretty high. But now, for federal estate tax purposes, you can have 11.58 million 
$11.5 million next year for 2020 in that trust and pays zero tax. So for most people, that's not a consideration. In New York, okay. in New okay. York, the estate tax exemption is $5,740,000. So we actually plan now to include assets in the taxable estate because you get under code section 1014E, if you want to look it up, you get what's called a step up in basis for all of the assets that go through the taxable estate. So in effect, you can pass it under New York law and federal law because federal exemption is higher. $5.74 million, pay no estate tax and get a fully stepped up basis so that if the person paid $10 for the stock, it's now worth 100 and you inherit it from this revocable trust, you're going to get a step up in basis mm-hmm. to 100 You're able to sell it without capital gain. So the types of assets gotcha. that that applies to are stocks, bonds, real estate, businesses, any asset that has what we call capital appreciation. There's a whole other class of assets that has something called income in respect of a decedent. So these are assets that don't appreciate but that accumulate income tax deferred. For example, U.S. savings bonds. When someone dies and you inherit U.S. savings bonds, that income has deferred over their lifetime. And when you get the bond, you get a 1099 for ordinary income for all of the gain in that bond. This one is a big category, annuities. So if you have tax-deferred annuities, those annuity contracts are are life insurance-based. They defer income inside of the contract. But when an annuity owner, an annuitant dies, and you inherit one of those tax-deferred annuities, you pay ordinary income on tax on all of the gain in that annuity. So the other major category of taxable asset is a retirement account, an IRA, 401k. That's 100% taxable as ordinary income. So you have one category of assets, real estate, stocks, bonds, businesses, those kinds of assets that have capital appreciation where you get a full step up in basis and pay no tax when you sell. And then you have income in respect of a decedent assets that accumulate income tax deferred, like U.S. savings bonds, annuities, retirement accounts, and you pay income tax on those at ordinary income tax rates for the bonds, the savings bonds and the annuities. You don't pay tax on your cost basis. So what you initially paid for, it comes back to you tax-free, but all the gain gets taxed. Of course, in an IRA, you haven't paid any tax on the money that went in or a 401k. So you pay ordinary income tax on 100% of those assets. Make sense? Yep, it does. All right. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for going over that with me. My pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for the call. So, Rebecca, we talked about revocable trusts. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about irrevocable trusts, why they're useful, how we use them. And these tax questions permeate our practice. So we have to know. Mm-hmm. What type of assets we have, what type of basis you have, what did you pay for it, have you made improvements to the house? Mm-hmm. All of that is critical information in your estate plan because at the end of the day, it isn't what you make, it's what you keep. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Life Happens Radio on Talk Radio WGY. We'll be right back. Welcome back to 
Life Happens Radio on Talk Radio WGY. I am Lou Pirro, your host for today, in studio live with Rebecca Cerny. We do have time to get another phone call or two in if you want to give us a call and you have questions on estate planning or tax like our last caller, Mark, or any other topic that you want to talk about. And it's at 800-TALK-WGY. That's 800-825-5949. So, Rebecca, we're talking about protecting assets, a very, very critical topic for a lot of clients that come to us. They want to protect their assets. And we talked about revocable trusts and how they can avoid probate and set up trusts for your children and do it very economically. Mm -hmm. Because when you tack it onto a revocable trust, those trusts for the kids are very inexpensive. Right. That's probably the best value that we have in our office is to create those beneficiary control trusts. Absolutely. But a lot of times people also worry about protecting assets for themselves. And really the number one reason that people worry about that is healthcare. Mm-hmm. Healthcare costs are through the roof. And if you've been through a hospitalization, as I have, uh, and a surgery, as I have, I came out, I had a $200,000 bill. And thank God we had good insurance coverage. Mm-hmm. So I paid a deductible and, and everything else was covered. But not everybody has that. Right. More to the point, Medicare, once you get into your senior years and you're over 65, Medicare doesn't cover a lot of types of care. And we're seeing more and more exposure where mm-hmm. people from 65 to death, they're anticipated to pay $250,000 of health care and long-term care costs. That's the average. Wow. $250,000. So there is a program out there that does pay for long-term care and pays for other health care services. And it isn't Medicare, which everyone gets. It's Medicaid. Mm-hmm. But to get Medicaid, you can only have a limited amount of assets, right. $15,450 in New York. Mm-hmm. If you're listening from Massachusetts, you're $2,000. Um, most other states are $2,000. New York is $15,450. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, how do I get Medicaid? You know, if I have a house, if I have assets, if I have other things, is there a way that I can create a trust and have my assets be sheltered, available, I can get income, but not to be available for Medicaid purposes? Absolutely. So that's where that irrevocable trust would come into Ah, play. Okay. So not revocable, but irrevocable. Mm -hmm. And who's the trustee of that? Am I the trustee? No, we typically don't advise that that the person creating the trust be the trustee. So Mm -hmm. you would want to select someone else. All right. So my three kids go back to them. Yep. Um, My wife, I assume, would be like me, not Yeah, your spouse likely wouldn't be a good choice either. So the three kids could together be trustees for me or one or two of them could be trustees for me? Yep. And they could manage the trust? Yes. And tell me how that works. So why, why are my assets protected in there? Sure. So it's protected because it looks as though you don't benefit from this trust. So we put your assets in this irrevocable trust. You're not the trustee. You're not managing it. And on the face, you're also not a beneficiary of the principal of the assets that are just sitting in the trust. You right, can well, be... well, wait a minute. So if I put my stocks and bonds and bank accounts in there, mm-hmm. I can keep some out, right? Yes. What about my IRAs? Do I, we said IRAs can't go into trust. Are they okay? Yep, they would stay out, and they're actually already exempt for Medicaid purposes. Ah, so that's a big change, big yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. So I can have you know, a few hundred thousand dollars in an IRA, and you're saying for Medicaid, that's exempt. Yes. Always or only under certain circumstances? As long as they're in what's called periodic payment status. Ah. So as long as you're already receiving required minimum distributions or RMDs, mm-hmm. um, so if you've 
past 70 and a half, you're already receiving those. If you're younger than that, we can put it in periodic payment status. So you can exempt my IRA. So my IRA is not in this trust. Correct. My other, my house and my stocks and bonds and things go into this trust. Yep. And they're protected. Mm-hmm. What if I want to get some principal out? Is there anybody that can get at the principal? Yep. So you're going to appoint someone other than yourself as the beneficiary, which would likely be your children, mm-hmm. you know, the next generation. So if you ever needed to get assets out, we would just make distributions to them and okay. they would buy things for you or give the money to you. All right. So I can have, my kids can access it. Yes. And then they can take care of me. Yes. Using my money. Correct. Right. That's, that's still not a bad deal. Give it to them so they can give it back to you. Right. Okay. So can I like make them give it back to me or that's voluntary? You are in control of, of who the trustee and who the beneficiaries are. So you can't necessarily force them to do anything, but you control who those people are. So if someone's not cooperating, mm-hmm. we just switch them out. Okay. So I can fire them. Yes. Good. I like that. So I still have some control over who mm-hmm. the trustee and beneficiaries are. Yes. So this is an irrevocable trust, mm-hmm. and it protects my assets if I ever need Medicaid. Correct. And can I keep the income? You can, yes. Well, what about the house? Because I get a star exemption, mm-hmm. and I want to keep that, and, and I want to make sure that the trust is still protecting my right to live in the house. Right. So we include special provisions in the trust that essentially give you a life estate in it. So you can still keep those exemptions, and you also still get a separate basis mm-hmm. when you pass, so your children don't pay any capital gains ah, on that okay. property so, as well. Like Mark's question was about a revocable trust. Mm-hmm. Do I get a step up in basis on all those assets? But you're saying that I can even get it on an irrevocable trust. Yes. So you structure it so that those assets go through the estate for tax purposes. Correct. And I get a fully step my my beneficiaries get a fully stepped up basis. Correct. Now, can I put those trusts for my kids, the beneficiary control trusts or special needs trusts or whatever spendthrift trusts? Mm-hmm. Can I put those into this irrevocable trust as well? Yes, absolutely. And does this go through probate or can I avoid probate? This would avoid probate as well. Oh, wow. So I get asset protection for myself. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go, my heirs, not me, because I'm dead. Yeah. But my heirs don't have to go through probate. Right. And then they can have their trusts created right out of this trust. So we're creating asset protection from today all the way through. And how long do those trusts last for my kids? They will last through the grandchildren's life and into the lives of the great-grandchildren. So it's for my children's entire lifetimes? Yes. Wow. So that that's pretty cool. Yes. And so they're their own trustee, but... They don't have to probate their will either for those assets. Correct. It just creates a trust for their kids. Yep. And it can automatically go in on down the line. So in our succession plan, as we talked about at the open of the show, Mm -hmm. this is creating a three-generational plan. Right. Of fully protected assets for the second and third generation. Correct. Protected for Medicaid purposes for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Never going through probate. Right. And that's another great use of the, the beneficiary controlled trust, even if you're not worried about divorcing. If you were to just leave assets to your children outright and then they were to predecease their spouse, likely everything goes to the spouse pursuant to their estate planning documents. Okay. So then it doesn't automatically go to your your grandchildren. So also leaving the trust for your children ensures that it's going on to the next generation and the generation after that. Makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to a lot of our clients too. Yes. Once they hear how powerful that trust can be Mm -hmm. and how it can last for multiple generations. And when our clients come in and they have grandchildren, the 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 response is always the same. Well, you know, I I really do like my kids, (laughs) but when you raise children, you just have a different relationship. But I love my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And that's just a common emotion. And they want to make sure that what they have 
is available to their kids, but not lost in that divorce right. or that lawsuit. Or if they have a child who has spendthrift habits as a gambler or has a drug habit, they can make it available and, and have somebody else's trustee. Let's talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Who do we choose as our fiduciaries, as the person who stands in our shoes in that kind of a case where 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 the trust isn't a beneficiary control trust? So you would appoint the person. So it could be either another family member. If you, you have anyone you trust, you can also import a corporate fiduciary. So that could be a bank or a trust company. Mm-hmm. And we do that on occasion. Yes. Um, sometimes as a backup, sometimes as a primary, mm-hmm. depending upon the situation. Right. A lot of times with special needs trusts, they do require special management. Yes. So we work a lot with professional trust companies, trust mm-hmm. bank trust companies, right. to do the special needs trust management. And that's a, that's a good use of a corporate trustee. Yes. Other documents? What other documents should I have in addition to my trust and my will? Sure. You should always have a power of attorney, so appointing someone to manage your finances, and mm-hmm. then also appointing a healthcare proxy, so someone who can make healthcare decisions for you. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. And you always want to have alternates on those. Yes, so absolutely. If, in case someone can't act, you have someone else in there to, to immediately step in. Right. So we're not running around trying to find someone. So if people want to meet with you, Rebecca, to talk about their estate plan, how do they call you? They would call our office at 518-459-2100 and ask to set up an appointment. Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing the hour with us. We hope you enjoyed it as we did. I'm Lou Piro, Rebecca Cerny. We will be back next week with a special show with Teresa Skane talking about business planning. If you're thinking of starting a business or you have a business or you want to look at the opportunities in business, Teresa is our corporate specialist. So we'll be here next week on Life Happens Radio, on Talk Radio WGY. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.